What up to my community? I hope this episode finds you in a great place mentally and in every other form. If you're in some sort of funk or mental block, don't even trip. We've all been there. I highly recommend that you listen back to some previous episodes to help you get your mind right and just find yourself again. But anyways, welcome to what is now episode 80 of Creative Ambiance. That's crazy to say to me. We're inching closer to that magical number 100. And I just want to express gratitude to all of you for riding with me since the beginning. So much growth has taken place since then. And if you've just started listening, you picked a great time to join this community. We're elevating every single episode and are in a great place right now. So appreciate you being here as well. Today's show features one of the most interesting human beings that I've had the pleasure of connecting with, and that is Full Crate. He is a multi-talented artist, DJ, and so many other things. My man has lived in so many different parts of the world and has experienced so many amazing things that has cultivated this unique perspective that he carries with him to this day. I'm going to go ahead and let him speak on that, so... Let's go ahead and just jump right in. This is episode 80 of Creative Ambiance with Full Crate. Hey, what's up? This is Full Crate. You're now tuned in to Creative Ambiance. We can kind of just roll into it, bro. Um, you are somebody who is truly a musician to the core and mm-hmm. somebody who also is multi-talented in very many different aspects of your creative art- artist career, right? Um, And I want to get into all of that, but I want to talk about the importance of being an independent artist and how wearing multiple hats plays into that Mm -hmm. for you. I like that question, man. I think a lot of people underestimate what it means to be an independent artist because it's, it's different for everybody, right? One person only does a few things. The other person does a thousand things. And I think I'm more so you know, the thousand things type of person. <laughs> I grew up in a in an environment, you know, with my parents, with my friends, or just with my family generally, where it was so normal to be able to do a lot of things. My parents are capable of doing a lot of things. Sometimes it's because you have to, you, you know, you have no other choice but to uh, adapt to certain life situations. And a lot of times, it, you know, I, I enjoy... Um, creating generally but I also want to say one of my favorite things is learning learning yeah what do you mean by that like one of my bigger hobbies and I didn't realize it up up until like a couple of years ago that it's actually a hobby is watching tutorials and just you know whatever it is wow that truly is a must be a hobby for you because I know for many people that can be sort of a nuance and something that Mm. a lot of people you know what I mean more of have to go through rather than wanting to go through. So for you, it's something that you actually want to do, right? It's not that I want to do it consciously. It's I, I constantly do it. Okay. So my YouTube search is a lot of, you know, at this point, it's not even a search. It's just what they recommend <laughs> based off the, uh, you know, with the algorithms. I just enjoy learning. I think once I, because I graduated film school and once I was done with that, I had this weird feeling of like, wait, so nobody's going to like teach me and yeah. put information into my brain anymore. So you have to do it on your own. And 
I think that has been a, you know, I think a lot of people are, you know, graduated the uh, YouTube University, what they, they call it, I yeah. heard. So for me, it's just a beautiful outlet. I recently discovered that I, I one of the hobbies, which is kind of, you know, goes hand in hand with the YouTube tutorials, is just building things. Building things. I really enjoy building things with my hands, you know, from speaker stands to studio panels to a table or maybe a chair or repairing things around the crib. Like, that's just, I noticed that it's very calming for me. It's like meditation almost. Yeah, and, yeah. and one thing that's dope about you too is... Like we were talking about, you wear many different hats, but mm -hmm. not only do you wear, wear many different hats, you do them all exceptionally well, right? Uh -huh, thank like, you. and I, I, I see that in in your content, right, that you put out, and I saw that you do had you had a major part to play in the process music video, mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean, that you just put out. So, yeah, how does that play a role in our, also your artist career? Is it hard to kind of focus on everything all at once, or are you just kind of like used to it at this point? It, it definitely is hard to focus on everything at once so i i do want to say like i have a an incredible team you know a, a beautiful management team that's been helping me for years uh we work with a lot of different people across the spectrum of just generally cr from creatives to industry professionals uh when it comes to the creative side of doing things i think initially it started with me just not having the budgets to hire people or create with people that i would want to so you end up kind of like learning and teaching yourself how to edit a video, how to color grade a video. Because you have no choice, right? You have no choice. And for me, and I think that's something that I learned from my parents, something like that is not going to stop me. Me not having a budget or me not knowing how to is not going to stop me from creating the things that I really want. Mm. So that, you know, with that mindset that I grew up around, I was like, why not learn how to color grade? And I actually enjoy it. Yeah. I will say I don't enjoy everything about it, Generally, like, there's definitely things like I don't enjoy editing videos, but I've edited a lot of videos. Yeah. So now I start working with editors. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, this is nice. So I don't have to do it anymore. And I've directed majority of my videos, edited them, color graded them. Do I always love doing it? No. But overall, do I enjoy the process? No pun intended. Yes, I really, really do. Yeah. I, and I think that's an important point to take, especially for those listening, that sometimes to achieve the goals you want to achieve or to have the success you want to have, you, you have to do the things you don't want to do too, right? Like true, it's yeah. not all like rainbows and butterflies of no. you just doing what you love to the end of the day. Like you have to do some stuff mm -hmm. that's grunt work. You have to do some, some of the hard shit that's yeah. not so, quote unquote like what you love right yeah man i think it's just part of any type of um growth and any type of um result if you want have some results you got to put in the work and it's not always going to be as nice yes i love being owner of my own company and i love being an independent artist but that's also a lot of hours yeah. of doing things that you don't enjoy like you know touring for example i love touring I love connecting with audience all over the world. You know, I'm very fortunate that I get to do that as as a job. I hate flying. You hate flying? Yeah. What part do you hate about flying? Just the anxiety that comes with it. I the hate anxiety. turbulence. Just, you know, I'm, 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 a, I'm an anxious flyer. I don't like it. I'm used to it now. But it's, you know, if I, if I can avoid a flight, a train or a bus, I'm on that. Really? Yeah, 100%. Interesting. But I still do it. People ask me, what do you do? I'm like, well, it comes with the territory, so... You know, in the beginning, I used to love flying, but then it when, when you do an average of three flights a week, with doing tours and sometimes no sleep and this and that. Especially when you start up, 
most people, including myself, can't afford to fly business class or first class. Yeah. So, you know, you also got to understand that I think one of my first tours in Asia, I literally did a 15-hour flight to Asia. I landed in Indonesia. I did my show. No, I landed in Indonesia. You know, you do the dinner with the promoter. You do sound check. You play your show. You go to the hotel. You sleep for three, four hours. You get up. You get on a flight. Next destination. And you do that over and over and over again. Yeah, that, that's really tiring. Mentally, physically. You. Yeah. And especially when you are not in tune with yourself with certain things. Yeah. It was, it was really difficult. Like, I was going through anxiety all day, every day. But when you pull up to the show, it's, you know, you got to give the people... What they, what they deserve to, you know, because they're there for you. And hearing you say that, I wonder how sustainable do you think this lifestyle is for you in terms of touring and also in terms of wearing multiple hats for yourself? It's doable. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's doable. You just got to find the right balance, which I'm still, I'm still searching for the right balance. What I enjoy about it now is I'm in a position and I got to give, you know, a big shout out to my team, my agent, my management and stuff. We work really hard as a team to get to a point where um, I call it I call it the Beyonce cycle. When, you know, mm. you work on an album, you release the album, you then start promoting it. Then you tour, then you come back, you take some time off, then you work on the album again and kind of, you know. And I'm not there yet because I still have to kind of do a cross of all those things. But I'm trying to get to, to that level of working, you know, in blocks. Right now, I'm in my creative mode. I do shows here and there, but they're not intense. Like, I don't do 20 shows, right. you know, in two weeks. We spread them out. And now we're moving towards more tours, you know. So it's definitely possible. But even if I would do, like, everything, I've, I've wrote in the past year and a half, I wrote over 60, 70 records. Shit. Wow traveling the world wow yeah you must have a genuine love then for writing for to I be do. able to do it that do. often right yeah it used to be something that i felt like i had to do because you know like career but lately i've tapped into a, like a new and funny enough the process was one of the first songs that i written when i moved to la mm. and that opened up and i gotta give a shout out to bijou who i wrote the song with there's something that happened in that session that would just kind of, you know, it inspired me to understand, like, man, all I got to do is just write about what I'm going through. And, and he helped me discover that writing and creative side of it in me. And, yeah, man, now, like, I've never made so many records in such a short span of time. Really? So that means that I just had to get out of my system. So it, it has now become, I'm no longer making beats and then finding what can I write to this beat I'm writing songs and then composing and producing a record out of it in whatever sense is it kind of reverse engineering in that Definitely. sense yeah yeah because I used to make beats and then play the beat whether I sing on it I used to not sing as much and now I sing all the time yeah, which you is do. great well, yeah, I, 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 re I really enjoy it and so we would write a beat I would sit down with someone we'd write a song together the person would sing it and that's the process now I write the song, sometimes just the lyric, wow. no melody, nothing, or sometimes it's a voice. Note. I have so many voice notes in my phone of me just humming melodies and ideas, or you know, you sit behind the keys or a guitar and then you just write a song. And to me, that's that's my favorite part of creating a song. That's that's the process that I love, just writing, having the whole song done, beginning to end in structure, 
just acoustically. I was I was gonna ask you that too. Mm-hmm. What your creation process is like in terms of you get an idea in your head because the idea can come anytime, anywhere, right? You could be walking out of this mm-hmm. studio right now, be in the hallways and just get an idea. So you just pull out the voice memo, or or is that? Yeah, man, iPhone. Literally, I have songs that started as a weird beatbox. <laughs> wow. Of me just humming or beatboxing, or there's a lot of. Um, I'll pull it up. I'll yeah, you. let me see the yeah. gems. There's, there's probably some million dollar, million dollar ideas in the, <laughs> in the voice never, memos. You never know, man. I, I realize that you never know what idea or what person you're working with could be the next thing that changes your life. Or you know, Very I true. I take that very, very seriously. Um, here, there's this thing. I was talking to my homies the other day. I have a thing saved over here. People, I don't know if they'll be able to see it. It says Zoom in washer on. sound loop for beat. Washer sound yeah, loop so for beat. Yeah, so my dishwasher okay. was making a weird noise because oh, the glasses were like hitting each other, I guess, while it was being washed. And this is the sound it made. Yeah, that's kind of hard. <laughs> so like at some point, this might be, <laughs> this might be in a beat. <laughs> that's a great um, example. Yeah, but there's also like, a, there's literally a lot of... Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's just, it, this is just ideas and it could be on a street or... You know, and before we started this thing, I told you, you know, I graduated film school as a sound designer. So I used to have the recorder, the Zoom recorder that we talked about with me everywhere. I would oh, travel sure. and just record ambience because that was, that was my job, you know? Yeah. And now the phone, man. The phone, <laughs> like I use voice notes. There's a record that I did. Um, there's a record that I did with J-Mo. Um, an incredible guitar player and an overall musician, a producer, and a music genius. And the homie Abo, also a super, super amazing, talented human being. We did a record, and the drums we recorded with my iPhone. Wow, really? It was like the drums were in the living room at the homie's crib, and the studio was underneath the house. So we were just chilling, and he was just playing something on the drums. And I was like, Jamie, play that again. I want to record it. And I recorded it on the iPhone. That's a, that's a blessing to hear, bro, because I feel like a lot of people, especially those who are starting up and maybe listening to this and starting their career in, some, mm-hmm. in whatever creative field, it's like you don't have to have the fanciest equipment to make Not something, right? Yeah. Like sometimes the iPhone content, whether it's like obviously the audio recordings or whether it's even mm-hmm. UGC, like yeah. user generated content, you're recording yeah. stuff. Sometimes that performs better than like a DSLR performs I, better. Honestly, than- it's funny you saying this because I've had this conversation with my team so many times where I'm, I'm a super perfectionist when it comes to visuals. And sometimes I think I do too much. As they say, <laughs> I, uh, I overthink to me, like it has to be a movie, no matter what I do, like every video has to be a movie. And I've noticed how that is definitely it works for me a lot of times because I, I get a lot of compliments, which I really appreciate of people saying, love your visuals. And, you know, it's well put together. And being a cinema fan, it's very difficult for me to make crappy content. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you'd also realize that we now live in a, in a different time and space where the way we share our content and the way we share things, if it's over polished in the wrong way, if we present it at the wrong time, people are not going to connect with you because it then it feels very, you know, you're trying to sell them something. And yeah. I think because of social media being so oversaturated with so many content creators, everything's great, and everybody's trying to sell whatever they have uh, as a product, it, it becomes, you know, we, we become kind of like numb to it. Yeah. Where if somebody posts a video of their front cam, 
in the studio or just what in the setting whatever saying like oh listen to this thing huh people feel closer to that thing because you know a friend of mine explained something to me about the difference between making content and saying me 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 look at me 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 versus how do you feel about what i'm doing that was a that was a game changer for me about content even like the caption of it can you, can you explain that a little bit more what you mean by that like um he said something in the line of and i'm pretty sure this is generally a you know instagram real tiktok science yeah uh, you know i'm i want to say i'm fairly new to it i'm not new to the content side of it but i'm fairly new to understanding what people use a tiktok for and stuff like that and i'm i'm on it now i'm on tiktok you know follow the guy on tiktok hey, follow <laughs> <laughs> um but i see at the end of the day one consistency is like number one which yeah. be consistent and if you consistently do what you believe in you'll get there it might take you longer or shorter than anybody else but you will get there and also understanding how you present certain things the example would be you know the simplest thing instead of saying here's my new song i would now say hey what do you think about my new song ah, got just you. the simple difference of asking the you know a question instead of selling it because then a person and when he explained it to me like that um shout out luke burr when he explained it to me like that i was like oh my god light bulb this is so all you have to do yeah. is just make it about them instead of you but then you're still making it about you because the content itself is about you yeah but the question is about them and it doesn't always have to be like that sometimes you know i posted something this morning about how when i dj i make the ladies move and people seem to like it because <laughs> it's true like yeah. i have i have a beautiful following of amazing human beings so everywhere i go and play show there's so many beautiful women that yeah. show up and show love and you know i would say i make music for women i i play music for women that's my biggest inspiration well that's the like waviest thing you could do is make music for women i feel like yeah you know but it I was mean? never it was never because i thought it was the waviest thing to do for me it was just that's where the inspiration comes from yeah and it just so happens that girls rock with it right it's not like what you're doing it for yeah. it just so happens that it just so happens that, that, that that's the case because that's the true inspiration like women inspire me to create so then yeah it's beautiful to see that they also enjoy the shows and appreciate the music that i put out or perform and play as a dj yeah so it seems to me like you have a lot of wisdom and not only just the music aspect of your career but also the marketing side of it mm -hmm. you know what i mean engaging with your audience and whatnot and i know you've been at this for a long time now mm -hmm. right so are these different like ideas and ways of thinking that you've you know what I mean, just gathered along the way through experiences or have you been intentional with, you know, wanting to learn these things for yourself, if that makes sense? No, it makes sense. I think it's a combination of both. It starts unintentional. You just try to make things look cool and try to figure out how to make things work. And then at some point you start diving into like, okay, why am I doing this? And uh, what's the result? And also having a team behind you definitely changes the game. You know, yeah. one of my managers used to work for a major Okay. You know, my other manager is one of the bigger event organizers in Europe. So I have two managers and both of them really understand the game. Okay. So I lucked out in that sense that they really taught me. But when they started managing me, they've never managed an act before. Oh, really? So, or I believe one of them never did. Okay. So we, we made so many mistakes. And I, I mean this in the most amazing way as a team as a unit we made a lot of mistakes you know from signing our first major deal to da, 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 you know and it's not that it was a mistake to sign it but the little things that you go through and then now we look back and we're like ah that's what we're supposed to do that's not what we're supposed to do. so 
I think it's just trial and error type of process for me. Because sometimes you have to go through it to learn it, right? Yeah, it's gonna 100%. happen. Yeah, there's no way you're gonna do everything right. Mm -hmm. And I think the mistakes, not even mistakes, the things that worked out differently than I thought they would, or we as a team thought they would, ended up being a blessing. Because you know, there's songs that I hear. I give you an example. There was a song that everybody was betting on. Like everyone was betting on that song. We put up whatever money we had. I put that, I invested that into the video and da, da 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 da. And at the same time, I had another song that we invested less in. I believe this is a while ago. Okay. And I remember people around me, not necessarily my team, but a lot of people around me from labels to radio. Everybody was saying, "Oh, this song is weird." So like, if we were you like, don't release it. But if you do, nah, we don't know. And funny enough, that song that everybody betted on is not really doing that well at all it's doing well i'm super grateful for what it's doing yeah but compared to the song that everybody said don't release that is now my biggest song and this wow. is storm on the summer's day which is like the biggest yeah. record so far in my catalog so that really taught me to believe in my gut feeling okay not That's, necessarily to be married to what the hype is around yeah okay i mean sometimes you got to be smart and that's where the marketing thing comes in if there's yeah. a hype there's, i've had hypes around songs that i wasn't really necessarily fucking with too much but i just couldn't help but you know understand that man that there's a there's a huge hype you know so i think you got to find a happy balance between what do i love and what works and figure out a, a happy route for yourself yeah i think that seg segues nice into what i was going to ask you next which was we, we obviously just looked at the voice memos on your phone you got mm -hmm. like pages and pages mm -hmm. of voice memos and notes and ideas so would you say at this point in your career with what you just said your gut feeling is what dictates what you actually act act on in terms of an idea or what is the deciding factor for what you decide to actually act on versus what idea you're just gonna be like you know what i'm gonna you know hold on that or just throw that one away and do you mean like for creating it or actually putting it out into the world i would say creating it creating it purely feeling purely feeling at yeah. this point now okay. i tried to stay away i used to get into the studio and think okay today i'm gonna create such a record and sometimes that would backfire and then you get frustrated that you know i'm trying to make a this genre but then something else is coming out and then you force it and then you lose the idea that you had for the other oh, thing yeah. and then you know so now if i if i feel like i want to make a very mellow soulful song and i go into the studio and for whatever reason i feel like making a club banger well whatever comes out feels like a banger i let go of the idea what i originally was trying to create obviously it's different if you're there to create with someone or for someone like yeah. i write music for other people as well i produce and compose for other people as well so that's a little bit different but i still i still try to just follow that gut feeling because i think the most amazing records come out out of the actual feeling and not when somebody's creating just to create, you know, a product. Well, there's a difference. Mm -hmm. There's to me, there's a difference between a hit and a, and a classic. What do you? Can you talk about the difference between the two? For me, uh, sorry. For me, the difference between a hit and a classic is a hit is something that just has a lot of numbers, but long time it doesn't necessarily the longevity of it, the longevity of it is not going to be the way certain records are. And some records are classics that might have the numbers or not, but they live for such a long time that no matter when you play them people will, you know, respond to it the same way as of when it came out. And I think there's different sub layers of classics and, you know, hits and stuff. I had a, I had a discussion with a friend of mine about pop music. Pop music. 
what is pop music? Well, popular music. Yeah. But there's nowadays also a genre, mm-hmm. you know, called pop music. But that's just, you know, I think pop music has changed so many times over, over the years. But at the end of the day, you know, now it became, it has to be catchy. You got to get them in within the da 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 da. And to me, that's the hit part. Okay. The classic part to me is someone that can have a pop record and not use the formula at all and just do whatever. And there's so many records out there, probably majority of our favorite records as, you know, people are those type of records, the records that send out to me. I, I love creating music myself and with people that are unique. Okay. Something that I've never heard before. Obviously, we're all inspired by different genres, things, and, you know, we all listen to the same stuff, but I like it when somebody can just make something that is new. And I think that's a very difficult thing nowadays because of technology, because of social media. I struggle with, with social media. I, How so? I struggle with going on social media and seeing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Seeing so many creatives. It, it, at some point, it was breaking my heart seeing creatives that are so original and so amazing just copy-paste because they want to, you know, have a trending video. Or, and I respect it. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not being, you know, not trying to say anything bad about anybody. It was just very sad for me to see people that have so much originality are now making the same thing like millions of other people doing just because they're hoping that it might be a trending or a viral thing. Which, hey, I respect the hustle. I do it too, to a certain extent in my own way. But I feel like with the social media, a lot of opportunities are being presented to us. But it's also kind of like killing the originality. Yeah, it's almost like the algorithm is dictating what they're creating exactly. rather than the original work. And it's kind of sad because some of the most fire work sometimes that I see put out mm-hmm. like has really low engagement and like very low likes. And some of that is just totally out of your control. You know what I mean? So it's almost hard, like you're saying, to find a balance between, yeah. you know, pleasing that quote unquote algorithm mm-hmm. and also just keeping it original and I think a lot of, like you said, a lot of creatives struggle with that, that I've been seeing. I think it's, it's a decision that you can make for yourself. There's definitely a balance in there to do both. You can yeah. find a way to be yourself original uh, and still find a way to please the algorithm. Like, I'm struggling with it. Yeah, like, I think a good example of that is, like, for example, you know, TikTok it recommends that for best engagement, whatever you post three times a day. Well, yeah. that can be the case, but at least you can post like original content three times yeah. a day. Like you, you could, know? but that's the thing. Uh, yes. And that is great. The people that can actually do it. I have homies who do it yeah. religiously, like every day, three videos a day, or at least a one lot. or two. I've been doing one almost every day for two months and I see what it does for the algorithm. I see the growth. It's not a lot, but there's incremental, yeah. you know, we, we're going, you start with almost nothing and then there's something now. And then, you know, um, but I also think there's examples of artists that don't do that at all, that are not on social media like that, that just drop dope shit and just, you know, and yeah. it reaches the world. It, it's just what works for you. I do agree with you. <coughs> Excuse me. I do agree with you on like, if you do something, just make sure that it's you. Yeah. But I think that's really difficult because a lot of people, you know, I started thinking to myself more in a, in the realm of, first of all, who am I to judge, right? Everybody can do whatever they want to do. It's just my opinion. And at the same time, maybe not every creator is as purist and passionate about 
that their creation needs to be like this crazy, you know, for That's some true. people it's just business yep. and they're still creatives. And I still, and I, I had to find a new way of understanding that, Hey, I got to respect the hustle too. I know musicians who don't create because they want to make music necessarily. I know musicians who just happen to have the talent of making music, but they're business people. That's a great way to put it. I never heard that perspective on it because everybody's intentions are different. And <clears throat> if your intentions are the polar opposite than somebody else, yeah. it, you don't have to hate on that person for having different intentions. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. every like, get it how you live. You know what I mean? It, it's just difficult. I'm, I'm such a... How do I say this? I'm so passionate about what I do. I love creating in, in every sense. So it's difficult for me to see someone creating not for that same re reason. You know, the reason is money or the reason is fame or whatnot. But I had to teach myself to just be okay with that and respect that that's what the person is, does and it's cool. The, the unfortunate side of it is that a lot of times, you know, and it's not even from my side. You just see the frustration. It's like, but why is this person who has so much musical talent is not as famous or rich or, yeah. you know, whatever than this person that we as a society seem to be like, huh? Oh, you know, but then who are we to judge? Because art is subjective anyway. So, yeah, that's very true. So that's it's. I'm I'm trying to just stay in my own lane and do my own thing <laughs> and not worry about other people too much and just do what makes me happy. And mm -hmm. it just so happened that I've been reaching people that feel the same way or get inspired, you know. But definitely what also fuels the inspiration is getting the DMs from people or, you know, or having people come to, to my shows and come up to me after the show and say, thank you for making that record because I was going through X, Y, and Z and then it helped me, you know. Like I just released a record in December uh, called Bebe and it's a it's a breakup song mm. man the amount of messages i have from people saying thank you so much like i'm literally going through this right now like i made the record in 2019 when i was going through my breakup oh wow you know so it's like beautiful to see that people resonate with it because everybody goes through breakups so yeah i create my music as an outlet for me but also to hopefully reach people that might need it or feel something or just want to enjoy in whatever sense yeah and i think you can feel that from being an audience member or a fan you can feel the authenticity in something and whether or not somebody was making something for a specific purpose or intention mm -hmm. right like for you you were going through something and mm -hmm. you put it out and you expressed it through your creative art and on the other end of people on the other end of that people are receiving that mm -hmm. and translating it into their own life you know what i mean and i think it goes back to the piece of of what you're doing it for i think you sometimes you could almost tell if somebody's doing something for the money or mm -hmm. for those ulterior motives and yeah. you could almost hear it in the music or the art or whatever you you're can. putting out right you can i think it's just to each their own type of situation um i don't like I said, I try to stay in my own lane and not judge people. We all have a little judginess within us. You know, we yeah. always try to be like, oh, why this or that. Growing up, the hardest thing for me was understanding that what's not for me is not for me. Okay. And what's for me is for me. You know, and there's moments in my career where something, a lot of things have been happening in my career that are so amazing that haven't happened to other people. That's you true. Know, from my close friends to people that I barely know. But there's also a lot of moments that happen for my friends or to my friends and other people that I was like, man, I wish I could do that too. And... I tried to implement that quite early on, the, the idea of, well, if it didn't happen to me, then I didn't do whatever I needed to do for it to happen to me, and or it's just not for me. Taking accountability yeah. for it and yeah. just realizing that your journey is, is your journey. Is your journey. I was talking to uh, 
to Joe, you know, Joe K. Oh, that's last, the homie. Yeah, Shout last, out Joe. Yeah, and he was he was talking to kind of about this, how it just, you can't be comparing your journey to other people. Like, everybody's journey is different. They Some people have certain plugs that you, that you might not have. Some people have certain networks. Some people have funding. Some people have different things. And you sometimes have things that other people don't have. Exactly. So, you know yeah. what I mean? It's a give and a take and you got to mm-hmm. just work with what you got. And like you said, be focused on, on your lane because I put it into the type of perspective of, you know, I want what's for me. I don't want what's for anybody else. Like I just want what's coming to me and I'm not trying to take from anybody else. Exactly. Tunnel vision. There's plenty of everything for all of us out there. Mm-hmm. You just got to find your own way of getting it. And it might take you longer than someone else does. And that's okay. Like, I've had friends of mine who had the money to invest in their career when I didn't, and it felt very frustrating at the time. And I was like, all right, okay, let me go work. I'll put in the work, and if it takes me 10 years, what t- it takes someone six months, that's okay. Then it's my journey. And obviously, yeah. you got to be smart about it. you got to figure out your own way of going about it. But there's not one way to get to the thing. I always say there's a thin line between wh- when you got to push and continue and not give up and where you should face reality and understand Ooh. that maybe you're going about it the wrong way. That's a, that's a tough line to walk yeah. or to realize. It is. It is. It's yourself. very tough. Yeah. And it's, there's definitely been moments where I was like, never mind, man, this is not working. And like, honestly, a lot of times, really years of feeling like, why am I doing this? But at the same time, I noticed that I just couldn't stop doing it because I'd still be doing it if I wasn't making money off of it. I'd still be doing it. I had a a photo shoot with um, a really incredible individual, um, Shay. She's from New York. And we did a photo shoot, and I was talking to her. And I asked this question while the camera was being set up and everything. She shoots on film. Something about I don't I don't remember how I formulated the question, but it was about if you were not making money with your art and craft, would you still being would you still be doing your art and craft? And the answer was yeah, you would be. I'd still be creating, and I think that's to me the true the true definition of a creative is you'd be creating even if there's no money involved in it. Yeah, and I think that's what art is for me, and music just happens to be my job now. Yeah, you just got to put a reality check on yourself mm-hmm. and whether or not, you know, it's aligning with, with that question you asked. I think mean, that's a yeah. great point. Yeah. Do you, uh, I was going to ask you this too. You know, you're talented, obviously, in so many different creative mediums. You mentioned filmmaking, you mentioned writing, mm-hmm. you mentioned singing, producing, DJing. Mm-hmm. Um, what caused you to choose music as the thing for you over anything else? You want to hear the truth? 100% I do, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, there's a, um, there is a, a corny side to it, like, oh, it chose me, you know? Um, it, was, it was fairly simple. After I graduated film school, I started a sound design company with a friend of mine, and we were focusing on doing sound design for commercials and movies, and that's all we did. Just, you know, from voiceovers to Foley. For those that don't know what Foley is, you can Google it. Um, <laughs> I'll be Googling it too. Okay, cool. It, <laughs> it, you know, it, the simplest form of saying it is you design sound for a moving image. Okay. Whether it's a game or a, mo- a movie or a commercial. And, um, you know, because not all videos that are being shot, especially movies, 
the original sound is not always usable because there's stuff going on on set. So yeah. you'd have to replace and recreate the whole scene and sound. So those are the people that do the, the footsteps in the video and the clothing sound and, you know, anything that's happening in the scene. So that was that was my job. Okay. After I graduated film school, I started my own company. And when I say I started my own company, we're talking about my little studio at the crib. You know, <laughs> yeah. that was my thing at my DIY. parents' house. Exactly. And at the same time, I was DJing, and that was around the time when I released my first song with a friend of mine. And we started getting a little buzz, not only nationally, but internationally. Did you expect that? Not or, at all, because my initial idea to release the song, there was this blog from the Netherlands, from Rotterdam, called Movement. And I was a huge fan. They would post, this is like, the, if you ask Joe, me and Joe talked about this not so long ago about, man, okay. remember the times where that's where all of us were just starting out and just, you know, starting our journeys in music. Um, and the movement was definitely a huge influence on a lot of people because they would be posting music that you've never heard. This is like early stages of blogs. Okay. You know, before the big music blogs came, came around. They were the biggest thing for me. And all I wanted is to have my song on that blog. Wow. That literally, so I made my first record, one, because I, you know, I just happened to make it. But then I shot a music video and shot a cover for it and designed a cover for it just so I can be on that music blog. Wow. Yeah. And then, and they were the homies kind of, but still, they only posted it if it was really dope. So they posted it and I was mad happy. And from that blog, I started getting international recognition because a lot of people internationally would look into it you know yeah. i was i was a guest on the selection show with joe i think it was like show number 30 or something wow yeah, show number like 30 way early like wow. we shot the episode uh we recorded the episode when joe was doing the selection radio show from his college from the from k long beach yeah okay k what was it called again k beach i think k, k beach, beach radio, yes exactly like yeah. k beach radio yeah so and i know him through the movement you know it's just That's like crazy. online and funny enough joe is the only person i still don't know he won't tell me how um <laughs> and we good friends man i love joe and he at the time he had music he had beats of mine on his computer that i had never sent to anyone what the fuck and i was like joe how did you get it he's like don't worry about it i didn't mind too because like, i really trust joe you know yeah. he's, he's incredible and he's done so much for so many people including myself um but that was an interesting thing but to yeah. go back to the so the initial conversation, um, I think once I started doing that company on my own, I get a little sidetracked sidetrack sometimes. No, bro, this is great. <laughs> like, I think um, the, the background and context of what you're saying matters. And I'm following along. I'm sure I mean, yeah. it too. Uh, but once, you know, I started that company. So I was doing a lot of jobs here and there as much as I could. Because, you know, you're trying to, you, you, you graduated. Now it's time to work. Yeah. And I did an intern at this major company that was doing a lot of the Pixar and the Disney voiceovers. They would translate it to Dutch. Because at the time I was living in Amsterdam. And unfortunately, the guy that was my supervisor got fired at the company. So then the new guy was like, well, I have my own guy. So you, oh. you can't work here. So I was kind of crushed about that. But that kind of, you know, was a blessing once again. Because then I started my own company. After I started my own company, I'm doing these sound design jobs. I was already DJing. Because I started DJing at 16. And this is me out of college. So I'm still DJing. And during my college time, I remember my professor, my sound professor told me, you know, you can't be DJing and doing school. That's just not mm -hmm. going to work for you because my gigs a lot of times were like doing a week two because I was trying to get the little bar gigs and this and that. And I would yeah. come to college, you know, the readings in the morning and whatever. And I would just be too sleepy or I would just miss it. And he said, if you really want to do this, because the film school ain't no joke. This really? is very intense. The one in Amsterdam is like a beautiful, beautiful education that you get out of it. So 
I thought to myself, you know what, let me just pause this DJing for, for a little bit just so I can, you know, really get in with the school thing. I still missed a lot of, you know, things. Yeah. I was too, the music was too much of a passion for me, you know. Mm-hmm. But I learned a lot as a sound designer, you know, I learned a lot of the technical sides of sound. And I love film. Film is, I would say after music, film is my biggest love. Might might be even bigger than the music to be honest really I, there's a weird that's why i say i love art i don't necessarily say i just love creating music i just love creating generally do you think there's like a storytelling aspect to it because obviously yeah. those are parallel with music and yeah. filmmaking yeah. there's just such a big storytelling aspect yeah. i think they they coexist so beautifully together you know i can't have one without the other that's why i love that i can use my music to shoot visuals and I love that I can shoot visuals and I use my music. Definitely yeah. one of the the goals, short term and long term, is to direct more and to act more and to just be involved in in, in bigger films. Um, and I've done short films here and there. I've acted a little bit, which I really, really enjoy. I started as a director thinking that that's all I wanted to do. Oh. And lately we've been working on a lot of new visuals for the music that's going to come out soon. And some part of those required acting. And I noticed that, wow, maybe that's something that I would love to get into as well. Obviously, being in L.A., that's like the perfect yeah, place, to be place to be for it. Yeah. I would not call myself an actor. I think I'm not there yet. Yeah. But I do love acting. Um, Why not, man? You got so many so many skills in the arsenal. Might as well add that one. <laughs> I guess, to be honest, I think... In, Overall, every creative can do everything, man. Yeah. It's just a matter of how long it takes you to learn something. Some things, you know, I love playing instruments, but I'm not the greatest instrumentalist when it comes to, like, you know, certain professionals that really, really play. And sometimes I'm jealous. I'm like, man, you can pick up a guitar, and in three weeks you playing all that? It takes me years to learn the simplest things. Yeah. But there's other things that takes me two hours, and then I'm, you know, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Um I think you just got to understand what your strength is and not be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and just try different things. Which like live shows, DJing versus playing live shows with a band as an artist, that's definitely me stepping out of my comfort zone. Really? Because there's a huge difference. Yeah. Firstly, I'm standing behind a DJ set. You know, there's even like the physical almost like a metaphor for like there's something between me and the crowd yeah there's the dj set i can hide behind the decks you know you don't really have to talk i do host a lot of my own shows so like i'm comfortable on the mic but doing a show in front of an audience where you're just standing there and it's just you and a microphone and there's it's a different. band behind you that is a whole different feeling one you're no longer in control of the music your band is so mm. you have to trust two to four or five people on stage including the sound guy and the light guy yeah. that they're going to do their job properly. So that's already something that you got to put aside and be like, okay, cool. They're going to kill it. It's going to be great. And then you got to make sure that you don't forget your lyrics. You know the yeah. melodies. You don't sing, uh, you know, pitchy or the whatever. stage presence part of it. All of it. It's yeah. just a lot. To me, that was a huge transformation that I started a couple of years ago that I've always wanted to do. And once I started it, I played my first debut show in London live as an act man i was petrified really it when was, this was was this with a band this was with a band yeah okay. yeah when i did my show with a band we did london sold out we did amsterdam sold out Jeez. and this was 2019 2019 man i was so scared going on that stage but once i was on it and once i started the show it was like this 
I don't remember it. Really? I just Blacked went out. through it. Yeah, it, it, not in a bad way. It was just such a beautiful, because you feel great. Mm-hmm. You know, we have the crowd singing your songs back to you, and I was so nervous. And then I kept on doing shows. I haven't done a lot of them yet, but I'm definitely doing doing shows this year. I'm excited with all the new stuff that's coming out. And, and I've also noticed a shift in the way I make music. I'm more comfortable with playing the music that I make now live because it's just, you know, it's more suitable for a live show versus before, which makes sense. Before, I was more so focused on club music, Yeah. where now I'm writing music, so it's becoming less club and more, there's more emotion and feeling in it, I mean, we different kinda, emotion and feeling. Yeah, we kind of talked about this uh, a little bit before before you hopped on was, you know, you lived in Amsterdam for quite a little a little while, so yeah. obviously that might have had some influence on your 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 interest in making like club and 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 for dance sure. music right yeah i think growing up i started djing when i was 16 i was in high school you know seeing other djs do the high school parties i was like man i remember my first um experience seeing a dj and think and i actually know who that is a homie of mine uh, his name is dj Wexfiend, mm. and we've done a lot of gigs together now and he, he's he's absolutely incredible and i remember watching him dj and I, this is i'm 13 yeah probably yeah i was 13 no sorry i'm lying i was 15 at that point so i'm 15 i'm at a high school party and he's djing and he made a transition from a a hip-hop song to a dance hall song oh but to me it seemed like sorcery i was like what is this (laughs) magic that you're doing here because you're going from a genre to a complete different genre even though you know there's similarities in them um to a certain extent and i was like what is happening here and i just fell in love with the craft of djing wow. so then i just i literally spent all of my allowance on buying records after that after that i, I got a job as a as a, a stock boy at a supermarket and then saved up money my parents gave me money and at my, on my 16th birthday or like around in the summer um i bought my first turntable set and i started buying records like crazy and practicing all day and not because i like wanted to is because i just needed it felt so amazing to just have that skill to be a magician with music was that your first venture into the music world in terms of creating or had you had any experience Um, with there's definitely been experience there i come from a very artsy family my mom is a ballet teacher now used to be a dancer okay um her dad, my grandpa, was a famous Armenian painter. So, like, art generally has always been part of my life. My dad plays keys and guitar and sings. So, it, it, I, I studied classical piano and choir and solfege as a, as a young kid from the age of, like, six. So, music has always been there. But did I love classical music as a kid? No, nah, it's just something, you know, your parents tell you this, you got to do this. Yeah. But now I'm so thankful for it because it gave me like a foundation mm-hmm. of understanding music differently. And it, when I moved to Amsterdam at the age of 13, so, like, you know, I grew up in Armenia, then moved to Russia for a while for my dad's job. And then from there we went to to um, Amsterdam because it was like, you know, there was a difficult situation in Armenia at the time. There was a war in, on the border and we're at the border and it affected you know, the economics of the country, you know, hot water and electricity and only limited, everything limited. Yeah. So we went to Russia. My dad, you know, there was like the only hub. So it was basically to create a better life for yourselves. It, in a sense, yeah. But also because my dad worked really hard and he found an opportunity to, you know, grow as a professional. He's a geologist. So he oh, was like okay. Super smart. <laughs> the smartest <laughs> man I know. And... It, there was there was a, a, a beautiful opportunity to just 
I guess, you know, I don't know how to explain it. It was, it was a combination of a better life, but also at the same time, he was invited to work somewhere. Yeah, so was opportunity. Like, right, opportunity more yeah. so, yeah. Okay. Opportunity to grow as a family, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we moved, and then, you know, being in Amsterdam, I remember somebody passing a CD to me. This is at the time where people burn their own CDs. Okay. Like, you know, and this, this guy that I knew in high school, I was 13, he came up to me. He's like, yo, you want it? You should check this out. You can borrow it. And I didn't, I didn't even have my own Discman at the time. I think I had to go home and wait till I could, like, listen to it at my parents' setup. Okay. And it was uh, a CD. I don't know, a CD with a marker was written, Tupac. And it was my first, like, experience as, I'd say, the difference between my parents pouring music into me, you know, from the Motown, the rock, and pop music, and, my, like, my mom with the classical music. I had that kind of, like, foundation in music, but then discovering your own music yeah. is, a, is a different thing. And I think that was the first time I was like, what is this? <laughs> and I never looked back. And then that combined with loving, you know, the art of DJing, I started going to record stores. And I remember when I was going to record store, um, a friend of mine who's now a, a really good friend of mine, and he, he used to run the record store, he would not sell me certain copies of vinyl because they only have a limited, you know, stock of certain records that come in, especially like the really exclusive popular ones or like new releases. And I remember going there and being like, oh, can I have a copy of this record? And he'd be like, nah. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> I have the money. He's like, no, I can't sell it to you because you didn't earn your stripes within... Oh wow! You know, and then I remember him telling me, "Get on the turntable and show me what you got." Oh wow! Yeah, so Make I had to do it. it, and then and then he said, "Yeah, you're not ready for this yet." You know what? Go over there. That section, you got to work your way up. That's the '90s stuff. That's the '80s stuff. Start buying those records first. So, oh shit! And I'm really thankful that he did yeah. that because that taught me so much about the history of music. You know, because I I as much as I grew up in the '90s, I grew up on the on a different side of the world in the '90s. So I didn't experience hip-hop and r&b and soul music in the 90s the way other people did so therefore i had to kind of like dig back and then like find out oh this song oh shit like i'm a huge tropical quest fan so i had to understand like where does that come from and then you start digging understanding like okay jungle brothers okay and then you go back and back and back and back um like you know who followed me recently and who i've been talking to here and there africa bambata african bambata africa bambata who's like, you know, the legendary uh, founder of Zulu Nation, which is like the backbone of hip hop, you know? Mm-hmm. And so growing up, I watched a lot of documentaries and have a lot of records, you know, um, you know, the song Planet Rock. I'm pretty sure if everybody knows the record. Yeah. So to me, there was like such a wild full circle where as a kid, I discover certain music and I go back and I'm like, oh man, this is so incredible. Because I used to b-boy as a kid too. Like I oh, you did? really love breakdancing. Yeah. Wow. I wasn't that great at it. But yeah. I really enjoyed you, it. You had an interest in it. Oh yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. I did graffiti. I did all of the elements, Shit. so to speak, of hip hop. So wow. that really changed it. So now full circle, having your icons and your favorite, you know, heroes growing up acknowledge that they like yeah. what you do with that they're a fan is is mind blowing. To and follow I, you too. That's man, I have a huge list of people that have definitely not only followed me on social media, but and not only played my music or, you know, commented and stuff, but like actually reached out and wanted to create. And there's, there's been there's so many moments that going back to the thing where like you got to count your blessing and understand that what's happening to me right now might not happen to another person. 
So when it happens to another person, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to have your moment sometimes and not have it, you know. Like one day I remember somebody sent me a video saying, like, do you know Snoop was listening to your song? And I was what? like, what? <laughs> and, and he followed me at some point and posted one of my records. And I was like, wait, what's That's going crazy. on, you know? And we, we don't really talk or anything like that. Like, I, I think I asked him at some point, like, can I send you some music? And he was like, yeah, you know, here's the email, send it. And, you know, another person who's actually been way more involved is Jazzy Jeff, which, wow. you know, growing up, that's like one of my idols. Yeah, so, legend. Um, yeah, man, shout out Jazzy Jeff. For so many reasons, such an incredible, you know, human being and, and, and huge inspiration for many, including myself. And the list goes on, man. There's so many people. So, And I'm not big on, like, you know, I'm not trying to, like, name drop or anything like that. It's no. just these people are really part of the fundamentals of who I am as a creative. And that's got to also give you some confidence boost as well and to remind you as to why you're doing this. You know, we talked about earlier uh, just kind of giving yourself a reality check of, like, whether or not, like, you want to continue doing this or just mm -hmm. for any any specific reason. It's, like, these are reminders that, like lets you know what you're doing is is working and you're doing it yeah. the right way right it's scary sometimes i'm not gonna lie i've been in rooms and like studio sessions before where i'm like what am i doing here you know <laughs> why am i really like i'm not on this level as these people are but like you said sometimes you got to remind yourself that you know what i am here for a yeah reason. you're there for a reason you're yeah. worthy yeah, You're but it's just difficult to look at yourself that way sometimes, you know, because yeah. we all have our insecurities and we all deal with... Imposter syndrome. Exactly. I, I, oh, I man, imposter syndrome is such a, you know, imposter syndrome is such a huge part of a lot of creatives' lives. And I wish people would not look at it that way, including myself. I have moments where I'm like, man, like I had a session the other day with a singer that I'm a fan of hers. And I literally told her, like, I'm not going to lie, I'm nervous right now. And she said, why are you nervous? I'm like, because I'm a fan. <laughs> and I, like, you know, I've really been trying to create with you. And then she responded saying, I'm a fan too. Oh, like, She's like, I'm nervous too sometimes, so it's fine. And, you know, but it was like because we created a safe space to be able to communicate that way. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we're all humans and we're just trying to do our best and, you know, navigate through these interesting waters yeah absolutely something that you spoke on um a little bit earlier was your diversity in your upbringing with music right like your parents were putting you onto a lot of different sounds and i think you could see that in your music nowadays right mm -hmm. there's a lot of diversity in your sound so would you say that both your diverse upbringing whether it was you moving around <clears> to so many places or just your palette being exposed to so many different sounds do you think that plays a role in why your current sound is so diverse whether it's with your DJ sets or whether it's with your producing and the way you create music? I think it really does. I think the reason why my music, whether as a DJ or as a composer, producer, or as a singer songwriter is diverse is because of all of those influences growing up. But yeah. also I'm a child of MTV. Okay. You know, yeah. turning on the TV, like after school, coming home, turning on the TV when you're doing homework or whatnot, and then seeing Metallica, and then seeing Blink-182, but then seeing Music Soul Child, yeah. but then seeing, you know, Q-Tip, Breathe and Stop is one of the first videos, I think it was Breathe and Stop and Vibrate Thing is when I just moved to Amsterdam, I was 13, and I seen that on TV, and I was sold, I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's just, I couldn't understand the words completely and everything, but that was just magical yeah mtv had a stronghold on the culture for a yeah. good while yeah. and like almost raised a lot of us uh, yeah and I, I think that's why we have a wider not to say that people now don't have that because it's a, just a different source yeah you know, social media is now more the source but growing up mtv definitely you know like i said 
me being more so known for soul, soulful sound, you know, I come from hip hop and R&B and soul music and a lot of dance hall and reggae music. Like, I love all of that stuff. I also listen to corn. Yeah. You know, I also listened to Limbiscuit growing up, you know, as a mm-hmm. kid, like I used to skate. So in a skateboard Damn, culture, too, yeah, man, wow. yeah, I love skateboarding. Once again, wasn't the greatest at it, but I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I tried a bunch of different things, you know, from like roller skating to skateboarding. I did BMX for a while. It wasn't for me. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, there's just a different, some of my favorite songs are not the songs that I make. Yeah. You know, same goes true. for electronic music. There's a lot of songs that I'm like, man, I, I don't necessarily want to make this, but this is impressive like i really enjoy it yeah and that's okay right to to have an interest in something and not feel the need that you need yeah, to man. dabble I, in I, it i think there's 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 room and space for a lot of things i think what i really like about music and art in in general is that you can recognize that something is quality even if it's in, not in your own lane you know yeah. i can listen to a genre that i'm not really very much you know known with but still recognize that it's quality and it's really beautiful and what it is. One of my favorite songs, I have a tattoo of it. Oh, really? Right here. More Than Words. More Than Words. It's a song by this band called Extreme. Huh. It, it, was that song just, did it have a big impact on you? Or? Oh, yeah. That's one of the, the videos that I would see on MTV. And for those oh, that know okay. the song, it's a beautiful black and white video. And it's just, you know, the band sitting. And it's, I think, at a time where they're a rock band. And for those watching... I think they're categorized as a rock band, you know, but there's a lot of sub genres, so I don't want to offend anybody. Of course but, not. Um, I've listened to it as rock music, the other music that they do. And this is the time where a lot of the rock bands would do ballads. And this is a huge pop record, man, but it's like, it's so beautifully written and the, the, you know, the chords, the, the composition, the way it sounds and their voices is one of my favorite records. So and it's not necessarily a record that, you know, now I make music like that. Okay. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but it took me a while to be comfortable with just creating what feels right. Not thinking about, is this fit the persona that people know of me? Like at this point, I don't care. I've written so many records now where I just create and it's a bunch of different genres and I'm not going to worry about if it's going to work or not. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. It's almost like you have artistic freedom at this point in your life. And I feel like you almost have to earn that. And you've come to a point in your life where you've kind of earned that for yourself to be able to just create what you want and and be able to put it out. Right. It, it, it's, it's a journey. I think I'm still trying to figure out who I really am as an artist, which we all do. Yeah. I think it's a lifelong journey. What I do like about the position I'm in right now is that I'm able to express myself creatively and artistically first before trying to see, is this going to work? Yeah. I can just create and then figure out what am I doing with this? And a lot of times you can change things. Like I have a song that I finished, which will be my next single. Well, not, you know, okay. my, my teaser or not, <laughs> but will be my next single. And at first, the way we made the song and mastered it, something about it was throwing me off. I was like, I don't know, man. And there's a break in the song that, and from that break, it's not a bridge necessarily, but it's where the bridge usually is, but it's more of a break because we don't change the chords there. And then it goes into the outro part. And every time that break happens with the outro part, me and everybody I play it to goes, oh man, this is my favorite part. So then I was like, what if we just start the song like that? Oh. So then I literally redid the whole thing like a day before i had to deliver the masters oh shit and just you know we made it work and changed it so 
there's definitely ways but when i was creating the record i didn't think about like is this gonna work was i, ju- I was just creating i was just going off my what i was feeling i think there's definitely opportunities to shape things once they're done creatively to understand what am i is this a radio record where am i trying to get this on a radio you know if you try and do a radio record you know it can't be longer than three minutes and 20 seconds or you know ideally three minutes yeah so it's those little things that you could do that but i don't do that when i'm creating i do that after i'm done creating like one of my favorite records on uh one of my favorite records that i've created this past year what i said when i made like 60 records they'll i know i'm gonna put out this year is a five minute song five minute song yeah which usually is like why would you put out a five minute yeah. record because you're the radio ended up. i don't mm-hmm. care <laughs> like take it or yeah. leave it like I, I love it and we might make a radio version just for certain radio stations to be able to play it and that's where i feel like you know you kind of got a give and take type situation but the original is going to be the five, full five minutes Wow. It's like five minutes and 20 seconds or something like that. It's just because that's what I needed to tell my story. Yeah. And anything less than that, it's not going to translate the right way. And going back to like the 80s, man, there's like seven minute records. Yeah, that's true. And they're, they're great pop records. Mm-hmm. And I think I, like every other artist, struggle with having certain people, I'm not saying everyone, but certain people in an industry that dictate how art should be. And it's a difficult position to be in. Where I'm like, what do you mean? You can't dictate what my art is going to be like not you literally but you know no, yeah i get it um, and it's just a difficult thing and i think that's why i love being about an independent yeah. artist even so, though yes the algorithms and the spotify's and the apple music there's like rules and you know i've definitely heard things like make your short make your songs a little shorter on spotify because then if people click it away the algorithm's gonna think that you're not popular so that i mean i get that and i try to do it where possible but i'm not gonna mess up my art just for for the numbers i think the art should speak for itself and there's always ways to get the numbers without jeopardizing the integrity of the things that you're creating yeah because at the end of the day what you're putting out is a reflection of you and Mm -hmm. you're cutting that short to please like a machine yeah just it's sad (laughs) it is yeah Yeah, it's just sad and that's why like i said going back to the 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 social media subject i think that's sad to me that that's a lot of people and there's nothing wrong with that i'm not saying that it's wrong it Mm -hmm. just makes me sad sometimes to see people are now creating art for the sake of that machine yeah the industry machine and it's it's changed so much you know what i mean it changes the art because the art then becomes very one-dimensional for me it's very like this works so i'm gonna do this now and I find that difficult and I've always gravitated towards artists in any type of art form that just do because it feels right. Tyler, the creator, he's a perfect example of not needing to do what the industry... Going against the grain. You know, he's just doing his own thing Mm -hmm. and sells out the Madison Square Garden. So (laughs) there's... And, you know, I think for me, that's definitely an artist and a creative that, that I look up to in a lot of different ways. And it shows like... Yeah, you can go the industry route. I'm pretty sure he, you know, he still is part of the industry in, in his own way. But it's just beautiful to see. I'm also a huge Pharrell fan yeah. and the Neptunes fan because I grew up with that music. Who Tyler Crater was inspired by. Exactly. Even, so. so, you know, it just shows that there's ways, man. When the Neptunes came out, nobody was doing that. Same thing with mm-hmm. Timbaland. Like, nobody was doing it. And I think that's what I love about art is when people do something really well 
that nobody is doing. I think that's to me is what success is. Yeah. When you're just doing your own thing. And it could still be inspired by, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I think I have a difficult time seeing people do the same thing over and over and over again. Cause like I, I have a hard time with trends. When something trending, I'm like, oh, I want to go the other way. Yeah, it go against the grain. And I think that's like a beautiful place for an artist to get to because not many artists get to attain that type of status to the point where they can, you know, put out whatever they want and have that type of freedom because mm -hmm. that type of freedom is priceless. You know it what is, I mean? man. And I work really, really hard. And once again, like I have beautiful discussions with my team sometimes that are very necessary to understand um, you know, what's the balance? Where's mm. the balance between, it's kind of like one for them, one for me. I remember Young Guru, shout out Young Guru, who is uh, an incredible engineer and a producer and a creative overall. Um, and he is Jay-Z's engineer. Mm. And I've, I've known, you know, his work and I've had the opportunity to meet him and have conversations with him and hear him speak on certain subjects where he did the Red Bull Music Academy. He was a guest speaker when I was invited as a, as a, I guess a Red Bull alumni mm. at the RBMA in 2011 in Madrid. Wow. And that was, a, it was an incredible experience, man. Um, and you can find all those videos on YouTube. And he was explaining how, how Jay-Z did it at the time. He would do one record for the streets, kind of like, okay, this is the one that everybody's going to love. Like the true fans, they're going to go crazy. And then he would turn around and do a record for the radio. Uh, to please both sides and I think that's a very smart way to do it because even the radio records would still slap you know yeah because that's Jay so mm -hmm. um, I think there's there's a way to just be yourself and just be smart about how you sell your product I always say it's not what it's how yeah and I think a lot of people flip that around and they, they focus so much on crafting the product to make it workable for the industry where i feel like nah you can have any product and you can make it work you can sell it um i believe it was uh virgil that said like if you take i don't remember the thing i don't want to misquote him at all you know yeah um but i think he was the one that said it's you can take a product and just take a picture of it or something like that and then it's just what it is but if you take the same product and put it in an art gallery in the middle of the room then all of a sudden, there's like a whole different experience of yeah. the same product. It was something like that. I'm probably completely butchering the, it The now. concept makes sense, though. Yeah. So that was that was a beautiful way, the way he put it, because it's like, yeah, that's true, you know? You know, it's the difference between if you go to a restaurant, why is some food, you pay a certain amount for it, and it's like, oh, you know, it's like a quick dish, blah, blah, blah. But the same food, you can go to a fancier restaurant and it's just the way it's being presented to you. That's very true. Yeah. And also that goes to the point of having some the value of something. I, I saw some tweet and I'm sure it's gone viral by now. It's kind of cliche as well. But like a water bottle you buy from the grocery market, you get a value pack. The value of that one water bottle is like 50 cents to a dollar. You mm -hmm. go to a supermarket and just buy the single bottle, it's gonna be like one to two dollars. You go to an airport, that bottle of water is gonna be five dollars. You go to a music festival, that same bottle is gonna be thirteen dollars. So exactly. the value yeah. of of you and and what what you're doing just yeah. is varies by where it's placed and how it's placed. Like it's you how said. it's placed, yeah. it's how you sell. It's not what is how. It's like mm -hmm. how you sell your product. You can go about like I went from playing four DJ sets a week to having conversations with my management and my agent to how can we go from four DJ sets a week to one a month and still make the same amount of money with that one gig? Mm. You know, figuring that out yeah. was the challenge. Working smarter, not harder. Exactly. So, you know, but while working hard. 
Okay. You know, because yeah. when you work smart and hard, the results are different. It, at least for me, they were different. I like that. Um, and, I th- you know, and that helped. And also, you, you make yourself more exclusive. But to do that, you need the product. And what the yeah. product is, that's up to you. And that's to, you know, it, you got to bring something. The reason why people, and not always, I, I played a lot of empty shows, man. I think that's just part of the journey and that's okay, you know? The reason why people buy tickets to see you, whether you're a live act or a DJ act, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing and performing, is that you have something that someone else is not doing. That's the reason. That's the reason that I went from being a DJ in a club to a headline DJ. Yeah. Might not be the biggest one in the world, never claimed to be, but I'm doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Is that I would play songs, I still play songs in my sets that no one has. Yeah. And the way I play them. You know, I can, me and you can DJ and we can play the same records, but it's going to be a total different experience of a set because the way I play my music is different than anybody else. Not calling myself the most original person ever, but you know, everybody has their own taste and yeah. the way they present things. And I always try to do something that nobody is doing and that's that's why people come to see you and that's why people are trying to follow you and go out of their way to buy a ticket to come and see you perform and also when you're performing you're delivering on that too because you could get, grab somebody's attention they could come to see you but like you said if the product's not there mm-hmm. then you're going to lose that person they're going to come back if you continue to give them what they exactly what they came like to I, for. I, i've been to performances of artists that are like excuse me, that are, you know, DJs, excuse me, DJs and producers and, and vocalists that didn't really care about their performance as much. They were just like, ah, whatever, I got Going money. Going through the motions. You know, maybe, but more so about like, ah, whatever, let me just get, get this paycheck and just perform my songs and get out of here. And I've heard the crowd responds with yeah. like, oh, I'm never buying a ticket for this person again. And I've seen this, this was like years ago. I was just, you know, still building and starting out um which i feel like i'm still i'm still building i'm still just starting out it still feels like i'm just starting out which is a beautiful feeling because i don't feel like man i'm tired i've been doing this for a minute there's different segments to my career it's different points you know and i don't think it's never it's never too late to start anything or whatever i stopped believing that because that's bs man like you got yeah. you can do whatever you want at any age it's not the what it's the how and if people tell you you can't be doing this well let me prove you wrong you know so it, it, anything is possible man i'm an armenian kid that moved around grew up in a complete different place as an immigrant and now lives in la and i literally love what i do and my work is my biggest passion so if i can do it then you know you can do it too anybody can. Do i it. will say i've had a lot of beautiful opportunities i've had a lot of people that believe in me and still believe in me and pushing me you know so i'm not saying that i did it by myself definitely uh, this is an effort of a lot of people really believing in what i do and supporting me but this is also the result of me not giving up and just going for it man yeah, i'm still yeah. i'm still i still feel like i'm just starting out and there's so much more that i'm excited to share with the world that in itself is beautiful because the amount of success and the amount of you know and the just the experience that you've had and mm-hmm. the longevity longevity that you've had it's it's amazing to hear that you're still hungry and you're not content with whatever it is that mm-hmm. you have at your disposal something i also love about you is that you take your fans and your audience along with the journey with you through your musical mm-hmm. um releases right with with still growing you know that was to me that was something that was 
kind of themed around you going through growing pains and you obviously, I mean, it's ex- explanatory within the title of still mm-hmm. growing. And then, you know, your next EP that you released, um, in all honesty, it kind of picks up off of that. Yeah. So I love, uh, the aspect of you taking us along with you in your journey, because I think that, um, it kind of helped helps to me. It makes me feel like I'm a part of it. You know what I mean? It makes me want to continue to see what's next. Like, okay, what's going to be next from full crate? Yeah. You know, I appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. And, and knowing, knowing that for me, it's just, I don't know how to create any other way than just by telling my story. So I enjoy being a storyteller. You know, what's funny. I released a song called I'm trying. I think it's on the, in all honesty EP and on there, the first line I wouldn't say I rap. I just kind of, you know, sing, speak, rap type flow, whatever. I just express myself. And the first line is trying to tell a story, but I ain't no storyteller. Okay. And funny enough, later I realized, man, shut up. You are a storyteller. <laughs> you know? um, and I think yeah. that's one of the things that I enjoy the most, telling my story through different outlets of art. You know, mm-hmm. And right now that is music, vocals, singing, writing. And they could change. Maybe it could be a movie or painting or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't really think about it in that way. I love, it's like you said, I'm still hungry. It's just because I love doing what I do. And as long as it's pouring out of me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to capture it and give it to the world. And I, I love having other people being part of my journey because they are part of the inspiration too. You know, it's the experiences with people that inspire me. Whether it's something that, like, you know, if I'm looking at myself as like, this is who I am. I'm looking in the mirror and trying to write a song about it. It's still triggered by a lot of experiences with other people. Yeah. Even the loneliness is still an experience with other people. So yeah, man, I, I love the process. Once again, pun intended this time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the process of just being, you know, a person that is open to growth and learning. I think one of my favorite things, what I said when we started doing this, this podcast is I love learning. I love being better at something every time I put in a tiny bit of work and seeing the result. Like the other day, I fixed my um, kitchen sink because the, the silicone was a little old and I just took it out and replaced it with a new one. And that was like the second time of me ever doing it. And before that, I fixed the same thing in my, in my bathroom. And I say this because, man, I just went on YouTube yeah and i saw it the first one i did was difficult i messed up a couple of times had to redo it but then the second time i did it the kitchen looks nice you know so it it, it goes to show that and i am i will say i'm very handy i i create really well with my hands like the communication between my brain and my hands is really well so i i think i enjoy it because it comes off you know fairly easy but even if it doesn't I don't, I think my, my parents taught me that a lot. Me and my dad have a great friendship, me and my mom as well. And me and my dad have a friendship where we build a lot of things together. We built my studio in Amsterdam. When I was building my studio here in LA, I was on FaceTime with my dad every day. Oh, tight. You know, like, hey, what am I doing wrong? What should I do? It's like this or whatever. Or even when I'm, when I was doing the kitchen and, and the bathroom in my house, I literally FaceTime my dad. I was like, I want to do this. The other day he's like, okay, you go out, you buy this, this, or this, or this, you know, and, and if, he doesn't know it. I go and ask, you know. <clears throat> I'm at Home Depot like three times a week, bro. <laughs> really? I just love I just love building things, you the know. The process, man. I love, I love the, the process thing. of creation and seeing the results. I painted my wall the other day in my living room. And every time I pass the wall, I look at it and I'm like, I did that. 
yeah you know that feeling is great it, it it could be it could be coming from anywhere so like listening to my music as as much as it's mine it's also not mine because once i release it into the world it's everyone's that's true yeah yeah i think it's dope that that applies to so many different aspects of your life it's not just the process part of it doesn't just apply to the music mm-hmm. it applies to you being handy it applies to I feel like in the actual song, like the process of dating a woman or falling in love yeah. or whatever yeah. the process is, right? Yeah. Like it applies to so many other things. And I think that translates also into your open-mindedness, right? Because you, I feel like it's been a constant theme in your life. You've been um, immersing yourself in so many different subcultures, whether mm-hmm. it's hip hop, you know, skate, mm-hmm. whether it's any type of different music industry genre it's like it speaks a lot to your open-mindedness and how that bleeds into other areas mm-hmm. outside of just music you know i couldn't it, it, it i didn't really search for it it was just there mm-hmm. it was just you know growing up as a teenager those are my friends yeah those are the people i connected with i'd say a lot of times i connected with people that understood what it felt like to be an outsider because that's what i was mm-hmm. and that's what i still am i still am an outsider like what is home for me I'm from Armenia. If I go back to Armenia, as much as that's my heritage, it's not going to feel like home home because I left when I was, how old was I? I left when I was, like, last time I've been to Armenia, I was 12. Wow. So that means that if I go back there now, it's not going to feel like home. Okay, fast forward. I lived in Russia for five years. Yeah, I went to school there. I experienced the thing that I experienced. As much as that could feel like a chunk, a little bit of home, that's still not home for me. Fast forward. I moved to Amsterdam. I spend majority of my life in Amsterdam. I would say that's the closest thing I have to home. Wow. But I'm still an immigrant there. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not saying this in a bad way. No, of I'm course. just saying it from from a realistic point of I'm still an outsider. Fast forward, I now moved to LA. I've been living here for a year and a half. I'm not from the US. Yeah. I'm still an outsider. But I found beauty in being an outsider. And I connect with co outsiders. But not only with co outsiders, I just connect with people. I know growing up, there's definitely a pattern of me always connecting with people that understood what it's like to be an outsider in some type of way. And that's why a lot of my friends were immigrants just like me. And a lot of the music choices or art choices or the culture choices were just, you know, you feel at home in certain places. And that's what the music felt like to me. Hip hop felt like that to me. Soul felt like that to me. R&B, I grew up listening to gospel music. So like all of that is what made me feel safe in a place that was in my home initially. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. So like, rather than an actual location of feeling home, it's you find you feel like home through these different mediums. Exactly. That's interesting. Like I had to understand, it was a very sad realization. Um, I wanna say it was last year, actually. I was recording a song about questioning myself, what is home for me? And when I was done recording the song, the last line in the song, I said, I just wanna go home. And it, it made me tear up because I realized what, what the fuck yeah. is home for me. And that was a difficult thing to accept. But the beauty of it also was home, our people, our relationships, our connections, our experiences and feelings for me. That's what home is for me and not a location. Because, you know, I, my journey is not one place literally you know i sometimes I, I i'm really jealous or i envy in a, in a in a beautiful way not in a bad way a negative way i envy people that can say oh i rep this city i born and raised from this place this is what i do and it's difficult for me to say that 
because I rep so many different places yeah. because of the changes that I've had. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of people in the world that travel, you know, whether you're a military kid or whether you're this or that or that. You know, there's different and that's my journey and I accept it for what it is and I find beauty in saying like, man, I traveled the world. I lived in a lot of different places and experienced a lot of different cultures and I am the result of all of those experiences, good or bad. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I agree with that completely because mm-hmm. such a unique upbringing that you have and I think it speaks to the unique mindset that you have because what I've been listening to you throughout this whole podcast is how unique your way of thinking is and it translates well with how you were brought up uniquely you know what i mean so i think that's also definitely a blessing in disguise at the same time you know i guess it's so funny you say that like i don't realize i don't look at it like oh my god i'm so unique i just look at it like this is my life yeah you know Mm -hmm. i I don't know how else to express (laughs) myself this is who i am but i've heard people say like wow you've did this or that you like i speak a couple of languages so for me that's the most normal thing you know i speak four and a half languages which where i come from is not it's not that much of a you know it's normal my parents speak it too in u.s it's like that's impressive (laughs) yeah (laughs) in europe it's impressive too most people in europe are at least bilingual you know everybody speaks english and their native language for me you know i speak armenian i speak russian i speak english and i speak dutch and a little bit of german my german is all right you know um so to me that's normal when i go home my parents speak all four too yeah you know so that's just growing up with all of those languages and i think in all four as well oh really yeah it's actually really difficult to just speak one language for me wow yeah because my brain has to constantly focus on i have to only use the database yeah. of that specific language because at home i don't have to think whatever word in whatever whatever word in whatever language comes that's going to be it because my parents understand all four where if I'm having a conversation in Dutch, I have to really force my brain to only speak in Dutch or in English. And even though in Dutch, it might be a little easier because most of my friends that speak Dutch also speak English and we, you know, use English phrases. But in the U S I can only speak English. Yeah. Like I notice it at the end of the day when I'm tired, it's really difficult to just, because I think in all four languages. I could imagine. Do yeah. you think that has something to do with the way you articulate what you're saying in your communication? Because you're having to double check what you're going to say and make sure that it comes out in the correct language that, you know what I mean? You're articulating it and you're having more thought to what you're saying because of that same reason. I, I don't wonder. know if I ever thought about it that way, but it could be. Yeah. It could be. I, do, I do try to think before I speak. So I don't say some dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it could be. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm not thinking and I'm, I'm not even thinking. Right now, yeah. I'm just like in the moment. And of I, like, I love this conversation. So mm-hmm. I'm not really overthinking anything. But there's definitely times where I'm having conversations with myself in all four languages. <laughs> and you're just trying to, you know, I think it's the other day I was at the Armenian store here. And this is what I love about LA is, you know, it, as much as I'm far from Armenia and I'm far from my parents who live in Amsterdam and my brothers I have one tiny bit of bit of being you know closer to my culture because of the Armenian community in LA I can go to the stores and I can experience the food that I grew up with like in Glendale or I haven't actually I don't I don't even think I've been maybe I've been to Glendale once um 
I live not far from Little Armenia, which is, oh, okay. you know, yeah, is, yeah. Is, is really, it's nice because I can, it's like five minutes and I can go and get my favorite bread and get my favorite food and snacks and whatnot. So that has been really nice. And yesterday, or the day before, I was at the store that I always go to and the lady at the register, she's Armenian and we were speaking Armenian. And I remember not remembering a word in Armenian and being like, man, what was it again? But I knew she also spoke Russian, so I told I told this her in Russian because it's like a dual store. There's like Armenian and Russian in one one store, and like we both laughed. And she's like, yeah, I do the same thing, man. It's like sometimes you know if you don't speak it or exercise it, you just forget. So I even have that. Like, who do I really speak Armenian with? My parents who speak four languages, so we keep yeah. switching it up. And then my family back in Armenia, I try to call them as much as I can you know, to just check up on them and then have those conversations. So it's just interesting. I think at this point, I'd say English is my strongest language. Okay. Like I would be able to have, I speak all four languages like fluently, but I will probably am able to articulate myself the best in English just you, because I use it all day, every day. That's what I would say because you yeah. practice it the most, yeah. right? Yeah. Do you ever have aspirations to make music in other languages? I never thought about it. Interestingly enough, um, maybe I'm I'm open to it. I just haven't unlocked that part yet. Okay. Um, I think it's just because I grew up with a lot of music in English. It was just like the logical choice. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it it would be cool to explore other paths. And there's definitely a lot of artists I listen to that don't uh, express themselves in English. Which I really, really think is cool. It's cool to see like D Smoke. You know what I mean? He'd be hooking on one track, yeah. be doing a verse in English and in Spanish, and yeah, like man. at the same track in another that. verse. It's, I love that. It's dope. It's yeah, refreshing. Man. Shout out D Smoke. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's a dope example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. He has his record that he released last year. I forget the title. Man, I listen. I I texted him saying like, "Bro, this record is crazy." Really? Yeah. <laughs> and it was that combination of both on a record, and it's. It's such a hold on, I gotta pull up the record. No, yeah, pull it up. D Smoke's a dope man, a dope dude, man. Like I think he might live somewhere around here. I'm always seeing him in the streets and he uh he's well connected in the community and with the people. Man, so I, you see. know, and I'm I'm grateful for him too. And shout out Jamo for making it possible because I ended up on D Smoke's album. Uh, I produced a record on Fire. his album. Yeah, man, that was that was definitely a, an amazing, you know, thing to put not even on my resume, just to experience. And he's, man, one of the most humble people I know. And I yeah. really look up to him as an artist and as a creative. And what he does for his community is really inspiring. And I ran into him the other day at the club. And it's cool, man. It's always love. Like, he's dope. And I can't wait to create more music with him. Absolutely. Um, he has this song. Man, hold on. Such a talented family, too, with Sir and Tiffany Goucher. Oh, man. It's crazy. Tiff, <laughs> Tiff is one of, like, she's an amazing friend of mine, man. Oh, wow. We're, like, cool. Tiff and I are really, really cool. Um, I don't know Sir personally, but I'm a huge fan of his music and Tiff. Man, shout out Tiff. Like she's Tiff is amazing. Yeah. Everybody has good things to say about her. I don't know personally, but same. Man, Tiff is incredible. Mm -hmm. Funny, super duper talented, and just overall a dope human being. Like we hang out from time to time and you know they, they, that's that's my fam. Hell yeah. Like Tiff <laughs> is amazing. Yeah, man. Uh this song, pff, man. Empty smoke, right? <sighs> Bro, this record so fire. Okay. Like the beat. 
the sample yeah. and his flow. Oh my god, this is crazy. Black is beautiful, brown is born of the earth. Found a love for the people that's down to stomp on the turf. Count them out all the reasons we in the dirt. Till we on top of the pyramid, still could live in the yurt. Humble ways, but it comes And at some point, like you said, he switches from English to Spanish in this track. Yeah, I believe so. Now I'm like, am I tripping? But I think it is. He, changes, he, he tends to do it a lot. Dang, hold on, let me see. Like at some point, he did. What's this track called? El Rey. El Rey. Yeah. Okay. At, I think in the second verse. Okay, there he goes. Bro. And he's so fluent in it too. Bro, so fire. But like, he's a teacher, right? He, he used to be a teacher. I, I right? heard that. Yeah. I heard that I heard that I used to be a Spanish teacher, yeah. Yeah. So that aligns well with it. Don't D Smoke, please don't come for me if I <laughs> set this wrong. No, I but, think that I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. He used to be a Spanish teacher. But man, yeah, for example, something like that would be cool to see you do in some other's like language someday. Like Kobe, you know I, mean? I think I just need to find the right inspiration and flow to express myself that way yeah i found it and still find it really difficult to express myself musically in dutch okay it's it's a difficult language for me because you're dutch as well as as armenian or or no i'd say my dutch is better than my armenian oh, just okay. because i spent majority of my life yeah in Amsterdam. my armenian is pretty pretty good like you know it's fluent but it's just like i already forgot how to write it yeah you know and but I'm going to pick it up again. I was talking to my mom about it. Like, I really want to pick it up again just so I don't forget my own culture, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, my Dutch is, like, fluent, like mm-hmm. my English is. Yeah, you never know when that. You seem like somebody who doesn't put barriers or, or puts boxes on themselves. So I feel like anything's possibility yeah. for you. It's just more so that I had a hard time making music in Dutch. And I have a hard time listening to certain music in Dutch. Okay. Funny enough, I love listening to... Dutch hip hop and rap music. There's something about the flow really? that certain records. I'm like, oh, this is, this is really really nice. Um, singing, I have a hard time in Dutch. Singing certain genres. I I personally have. I'm not saying I, there's. I don't have anything against the music or anything. I just have a hard time listening to it because it's it's a, the language has something harsh about it. So, when you sing something that's supposed to be very soft and melodic with a harsh you know side to it i personally can't get into it as much okay. but there's incredible artists out there yeah so there's a, so many talents that are people that i work with there's people that i work with who make music in dutch i would like to do that more you know just if time uh, allows when i'm there because when i'm there now i'm not there a lot so when i'm there see my family see my friends do the shows and then you know because I'm, I'm here now. Yeah, so, you know. absolutely. So what's next for Full Crate, man? Like, what can we expect for you from you coming up next? Um, any specific projects you're wa- working on or oh, yeah, live man. shows, tours? I, I, can't, I can't say too much yet. Okay. But all I'm going to say is there's going to be a lot of music coming out this year. 2023? Like 2023, a lot of music. Most amount of music I've ever released in my life. Wow. Yeah, because I've been working on it for a minute now. And, you know, a lot of music, a lot of visuals, uh, a lot of shows. Okay. There's beautiful dates coming up soon, and I'm just excited. I'm like this close to sharing everything with the world. Okay. But I gotta take a little bit more time. So I would love to come back and talk about it. Yeah. Another time we'll once it's to. once it's ready. But a lot of music this year, a lot of visual this year, a lot of shows this year. Um, I'm excited to reconnect with people, both at, you know as a DJ, but also as a live performer with a band. Um, playing in Denver on Friday. 
playing Seattle end of the month, both my first times in both cities. So I'm Fire. excited about that. And definitely going to Europe again, doing Asia again this year. So yeah, man, hopefully get to go to South Africa this year as well. It's one of my wow. favorite places to perform as well. Yeah. I've heard the, the crowds out there are crazy. They, they love the music. Yeah, man. Love yeah, man. Crowds. I have a beautiful, beautiful uh, following over there. And so many incredible people just showing love and every time i play there three times now and each time has just been an absolutely mind-blowing experience and the way people just take in the music and express themselves during the shows is just something else man it's it's one of my favorite shows i've ever done like definitely top three best shows i've ever done i always hear that from 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 uh, performers out there they always say that that's one of their favorite places oh yeah man like the first time i was in south africa was with with joe they selection did a stage there at rocking the daisies Mm -hmm. which is one of the bigger festivals there man that was uh (laughs) yeah man that was that was definitely still on top of my most favorite experiences and one of the best gigs i've ever done yeah the energy different it was just beautiful man it was also it was my first time on a continent too so it's just Mm -hmm. you know it just it just feels different so i can't wait to go back and travel other other countries as well and just experience the music you know yeah and and the people and the energy absolutely man a lot to come from you and i'm tapped in i'm ready to see it all whether it's the music the live shows and i could i could tell you kind of have that look in your eye where you're you're excited (laughs) and i could tell that man i'm fired up you're excited for what's to come and where can people follow you if they want to continue to follow full crate's journey basically at full crate on any platform and on tiktok is the only one that somebody took full crate so it's at full crate music on tiktok but outside of that at full crate on any any place make sure you follow me on spotify apple music all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, I try to reply. I, I started a Discord community, you know, okay. whoever wants to be part of that. We're doing some behind the scenes stuff, you know, more conversations. We can have music talk. There's people that send music and we can discuss it. We can create together. So, you know, for people that are on Discord, definitely join the community. Um, you can find all the stuff on my Instagram. Like, it's all there. So, yeah, man, just overall, don't be afraid to show love. You know, I always try to respond to everybody. So, and thank you for having me, man. This conversation has been really, really cool. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. bro. You, yeah. I appreciate you sharing your vulnerability. Also, you know, breaking down kind of the blueprint of how you got to where you're at mm-hmm. to, to people that are watching. Cause a lot of people listening and watching right now are in some type of creative art of their own. And I'm, I'm sure that a plethora of the things you say, you said today are going to apply to a lot of people. So really appreciate you doing this and we're definitely gonna have to do a part two, bro. Sometime oh, man, I'm excited, man. Future. Thank you for having me once again. And you know, I hope it resonates with people. That's all, that's all I can hope. But thank you for having me for your time and this beautiful space. And you have a lot of really cool questions that are thank not you. just, you know, the regular questions. The so it's, it's really nice. Yeah, man. And it's, 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 I love being in, I generally have, never had a big issue with being vulnerable you know but it's extra nice when there's a safe space to be able to just be comfortable with expressing who you are so thank you once again for having me thank this you man. Good, I rec- man i receive that appreciate and that. i appreciate yeah. it yeah, I, that's always the goal and to hear it from somebody like you who i'm a fan of i'm a fan of your thank music you. it means even more and it resonates well so thank you man appreciate that awesome man from from ambiance this is levi full crate checking out we'll see you next time much love stay hydrated